Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Dynamic's Ryan Hummel and Mindy McGrath to talk about what's trending now. Mindy, what headlines have you been following lately? I'm keeping my eye on the Inflation Reduction Act, which the date for CMS to identify the top 10 drugs that they will be including in price negotiations is nearing. We know it's going to happen in September. This week, we have seen pharmaceutical companies, the Chamber of Commerce, and the large industry group Pharma all file lawsuits against the U.S. Department of Health, or HHS, claiming that the drug price setting provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act are unconstitutional. Currently, once a drug manufacturer has brought a new product to market, they tell the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services and the Medicare program how much that prescription actually costs using a benchmark price. And then the federal government and Medicare essentially reimburse for that stated price. So the Inflation Reduction Act, which was introduced earlier this year, is really a new process, which is enabling CMS to negotiate prices for Medicare therapies for the first time ever. And the focus is really on high-priced, drugs that have no generic competition. So we expect that this is going to be a little bit bumpy. And I think what we're seeing now is a reaction to that legislation and the policy coming close to execution in September. And so I'm keeping a close eye on it because I expect there's going to be a lot of activity. I think it's an interesting place here. It's a pioneering lawsuit with some really new news around Medicare negotiating. And according to the complaint, the Inflation Reduction Act's price setting provisions, and I'm going to get a little Capitol Hilly, are in conflict with the separation of powers and non-delegation principles in the Constitution. And if they feel that Congress has impermissibly accorded the Health and Human Services Department this broad authority with no checks and balances to set these prices within Medicare with no constraints. And your point, Mindy, around it's not just pharmaceutical companies. You know, we talk about BMS and Merck and the Chamber of Commerce, and now one of the larger industry groups, Pharma, has joined the lawsuit and are trying to overturn this real controversial provision in the Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act does all of this by requiring these pharmaceutical companies, and you can understand why their trade groups and representative companies are supporting this lawsuit, requiring these companies to provide innovative medicine to third parties at prices set by the government. You and I and Jen were talking offline about this incredible increase in the industry of Medicare beneficiaries. Just from like 2006 to 2017, it's gone from something like 10% to over 20% of the prescription drugs. So it is not insignificant and it's unsurprising to see this lawsuit come to bear. Just to give our listeners a little bit of a refresher on the scope of the Inflation Reduction Act and its potential impact. Ryan, you talked about just how we've seen this huge swell in Medicare beneficiaries and one that's only expected to grow and that a lot of this legislation is an effort to help contain costs, right? And help them be sustainable over time. We've talked on this podcast before about Medicare solvency and the approaching defunding dates and all of that. But looking at the scope of 
this legislation under the Inflation Reduction Act, eventually CMS would be able to negotiate prices for up to 140 drugs in Medicare by 2033. That seems pretty far now, but to Mindy's point earlier at the top of this episode, the deadlines are coming sooner than you might expect. They're expecting to release that first list of the 10 Part D drugs for negotiation in 2026 on September 1st of this year, which is just less than three months away. And it's expected that the negotiated price range will range from between 40 to 75% of the 2021 average price of the drugs. That's a pretty substantial cut potentially for these manufacturers. And even though we're only looking at 10 drugs in 2026, it's expected that every year more medicines are going to be added to the negotiation list. And that can escalate quickly to include 80 by 2030 and then that 140 figure by 2033. Moody's investor service sent out what they thought could be on that negotiation list based on the 2021 spending data. And we do see some pretty heavy hitters across the current two manufacturers that are filing suits. And we would expect many more that are perhaps in the same boat would join later on. We see drugs like Eliquis at the top of that list, just given the huge amounts of spending In 2021, CMS paid more than twice as much for that product than it did any other medicine. And we're seeing that in 2025, right? We're expecting that more drugs will come into the fold under the catastrophic coverage of which Revlimid is in that category. And in 2028, Part B drugs are going to come into the mix as well. Then we really expect to see a lot of those mega blockbusters in the oncology space, such as Keytruda and Opdivo, really start to be impacted by these negotiations. So you can see why, even though it seems like things are going to stay the same for quite a few years out, it's ramping up quickly. And there's some real legitimate concerns of these manufacturers when you look at the potential impact to their product lines and bottom lines. The thought bubble that came to my head as you were talking through that is there are two sides to every policy argument that's out there. On the one hand, right, we have drug manufacturers, and from their perspective, think about their mission, which is to create therapies and medications to not only address gaps in the market, but to find new and more innovative ways to improve and enhance human life when it comes to treating complex diseases. I think about the significant investment that manufacturers make over a long time horizon when it comes to research, development, clinical trials, the approval process, and ensuring that providers and patients alike understand what's available to them and when it's available and providing that fair and balanced education around these novel therapies. So understandably, right, that manufacturers have a very invested perspective on the value that their R&D and innovation bring to the market and how that helps being able to recoup those costs over a period of time helps to incent manufacturers to continue to invest in new and novel therapies to bring the next wave of drugs to the marketplace. So really understand that perspective But also understand Ryan's point, right, and to the point that the government has made when they went through this legislation is that addressing 
the cost of drugs in light of an aging population and the financial and economic models left them with something that had to be done when it came to this legislation. So there's just two ways in this argument that I think are probably never going to see eye to eye on what this policy could achieve and what it's meant to achieve and then what it's going to take to actually cut drug spending. We've talked before about the sheer complexity in the U.S. market when it comes to drug pricing. And these manufacturers have been operating in this sort of known ecosystem, and now they're entering into a potentially unknown period. I think it does raise questions about what's in their pipeline currently. Will they be able to bring certain drugs to market? Will they be able to recoup investment costs? How does it alter their investment strategy going forward? And we're talking about this right now, specific to the United States market. But I think this is something that we see other markets grapple with as well. We talked earlier this year in one of our Trending News EU episodes around their facing similar concerns around price negotiations with their voluntary drug scheme in the UK. And how can they navigate that where they can have a sustainably cost system, bring drug prices down, but not hamstring the innovation that these manufacturers bring to the market. So definitely similar concerns that we're seeing here stateside. Mindy, you made a comment about two sides of the story, and I agree. There's actually a third side too. It's the patient side. And we often remember and remind ourselves that the patients are in the center of all of this. And most pharmaceutical companies, healthcare service companies, hospitals, health systems, payers, they typically include in their mission statements this objective around helping to enable access and affordability to their medications in the pursuit of saving lives, right? And improving lives and not just lengthening lifespan, but improving their health span. It's hard to argue that these really expensive therapies are not reflective of that statement. And I would argue, when we talk about the Inflation Reduction Act and how it's aiming to improve this, Jen, to your point, many of these life sciences companies have been managing the improvement of access and affordability to drugs on their own without support from the government. So this is a shock to them. So you can understand where they're coming from on this. What I didn't mention is part of the lawsuit is the idea that is affecting the First and Fifth Amendments. I'm certainly not a constitutional lawyer, but that's an interesting take. When you think about patients themselves as well, looking at some of the data, prescription drugs have accounted for one of five dollars that Medicare beneficiaries spend. So even though at a micro level, a patient may not be affected personally by these price negotiations, conversations from a macro level, whether it is the idea of pharmaceutical companies investing research and development in the long term, or just the cost that they're passing along. At some point, the patient is affected by these conversations and by these prices. You know, with anything, I think that talking about this out loud is a step in the right direction and negotiating between health and human services and drug manufacturers are conversations and these conversations should be happening, opening up the dialogue so that folks understand it to cut out the asymmetry of knowledge that exists between patient and CMS and drug manufacturers, I think could be a step in the right direction. To your point about negotiations being conversations, I think there's probably some concern from the manufacturers driving these lawsuits where these negotiations are actually pretty high stakes. There's some really hefty penalties if they choose you know, not to participate in the negotiations or not offer the negotiated price when we're looking at the decision between paying really high excise tax for the product or pulling all of their drugs from the CMS market altogether, the penalties are quite steep and actually 
it's not as easy to just walk away from the negotiation table when you're looking at Medicare and Medicaid and just the sheer scope of covered lives here in terms of the true impact to patients, but also to these companies as well. Also, there is real concern, right, about overall how Medicare stays solvent. And so this feels like one piece of a bigger puzzle that the U.S. has actually been trying to contend with, which is overall healthcare spending and the fact that it's $4 trillion in expenditures for us every year. Commercially, when I start to think about like, what does this mean for life sciences companies as they move forward, if this does play out the way we think it is going to with the expansion of negotiating more and more products that are under the Medicare purview, I think life sciences companies right now are probably going through that process of thinking about what does this mean to their commercial model? How do they need to start scenario planning for many years out, mapping that to not only their pipeline, but the way they may think about launching and commercializing products, where they want to place their bets in terms of therapies that may be in the pipeline, how payer mix may have an impact on their market access strategies and their launch strategies. There's so many different elements to this that I think are in play if you start to tease out the timeline for the Inflation Reduction Act and then start to map it back to just generally speaking, the commercialization strategies that companies need to be thinking about today. Because to your point, Jen, it feels like it's mapped out over a period of time, but we know time goes quickly and strategic planning happens in a cycle. So all of these things are going to have to come together, I think, to have much more strategic intent for commercial models. One thing is clear from this discussion, the Inflation Reduction Act is not going to be a panacea of solving the drug pricing crisis in the U.S. just by giving Medicare negotiation power. I think we expected to see some shockwaves, some growing pains as the market reacted to this legislation, and we'll have to keep an eye on how all of this plays out. We knew going into this year that for pharmaceutical companies, it was going to be a lot of working through and understanding how does this legislation really impact them when rubber hits the road. And I expect we'll continue to see more headlines as this legislation progresses, as these lawsuits progress. As always, we know the only constant in the healthcare industry is change. I can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health Podcast, and explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit TrendingHealth.com. Tune into the next episode, where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.